Yo, yo, yo. Welcome back to Who Let the Dogs Out, where I chat life with cool people doing awesome things. Today, you'll hear from Ricky Young, he him, who we first met at Troy High School in 2013. Today, we chat a bit about him working at a quantum computing startup, along with a bunch of theoretical questions that he got me talking a lot on, so we'll definitely need another clip from Ricky later on. Topics include secretary slash marriage problem, values, BFS versus DFS, and Brazil. Hope you enjoy. Hello, hello. Hey, hey, how are you? Look at that background. It's a nice background. You like feeling you're an SF. Is this real? No, I literally have no idea. Oh, no. Oh, like your background. Oh, yeah, this is real. Oh, that's a real background. Oh, mine just, yeah. Oh, you're talking about my background. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, my background is just the basic one because I haven't switched it. What's no. your real background? Is it too messy to reveal? I have a few that are not PG. <laughs> on my old account. Let's see. Let's see it. I want to see startup banner one for investors. Yeah, I should be able to find that as well. I, yeah, I don't have it on this computer either, but... What do you think the value of having that is as a startup? It doesn't matter. Fair. Did it, you design it? I did design it, yeah. So, cool. But it doesn't really matter. I do think that branding does matter, how you brand yourself. And I don't know how much that the delta of having a background or not a background matters because a lot of people don't use a background. Fair enough. Yeah. I am so curious to hear about that sticky note image. Maybe it was a B-reel or something. It was like, lol, we didn't reach any of these targets. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think that's a really interesting point you make. So there were some goals that we set ourselves for the intermittent for at least C3 and Q4, at least six months of the year to see where essentially the company will go. And there are some of these things that we thought would be achievable. No, we didn't really think it was, at least, I yeah, there was not quite achievable or aligned with what would help our company. So we didn't really achieve any of them. But the kicker here is that I think my equity as well as the CTO's equity kind of gets tied into it. So our performance would be dependent upon writing 25 blogs or getting 10,000 users, as well as raising the seed round, of which we didn't do those three as well as I think there was a one more. Oh, and get, I think, 500 logins and then 100 subscriptions. And we didn't do any of that. So yeah, it was a bit of an L, but it's okay. I think that was unfortunate, but we were still in the midst of building out the subscription model and coding it up. And we were still in the midst of just improving the platform because there's a lot of stability issues. And Word. maybe backtracking a little bit, how did you get to today for the listeners who don't know who Ricky Young is? Oh yeah. Hi all. My name is Ricky. Uh, I've known Shannon since high school. And what's interesting is that I ended up taking in some physics in college where there I essentially realized that maybe quantum computing would be something interesting because I didn't want to do CS. And I feel so happy to not do CS, to be honest, because now nobody will have a CS job in the next five years. 
<laughs> no one will be coding. GitHub will be coding itself and making its own repositories. And GitHub's like a collaboratory development experience on the cloud. And so that's where I thought maybe quantum computing would be interesting. So I spent four years and then I've been working at this startup called Keyraid as the COO. That's just an overinflated title. From my day to day, I just code a lot of the front end, back end, work on partnerships with companies, occasionally hire people and occasionally talk to investors as well. Yeah. Word. What is non-work with you like? I have no idea anymore. <laughs> it's been two years and I have no idea. I think that's something I'm still trying to figure out. It's very tough because I think Chicago has a lot of friends from Troy, from back home, but there aren't a lot of friends that I had in college here. And the dynamics is very different where you don't really hang out with friends and do work together. You meet after work and your schedules could be completely different and everyone has different commitments. So still figuring that out. And otherwise it's just a lot of work, but it's good. Fair enough. Do you still cook a lot on your own? What's your relationship with culinary nowadays? Yeah, I do. I still want to do something in the food space. That's something that I think will drastically change in the next 10 to 15 years. Yeah, there's so many cool things that I think would be interesting with seafood and in the food space because no one really does a good job of farming fish or kelp or anything right now. So yeah, that will probably be something that I might be interested in seeing myself do in seven to 10 years if there's an interesting problem that fits my expertise. But otherwise, I want to run a restaurant when I'm retired, probably. Yeah. Word. The intersection of quantum computing and seafood. I have no idea. The intersection of quantum computing and seafood is something I've never really thought of, but there are problems that you can maybe fit where you can use a quantum computer to say, optimize the allocations of resources. And that kind of problem can be mapped onto maybe how you allocate the amount of feed that you provide for a fish pen or something like that. So. Word. So I, I don't really know what quantum computing is, if I have to be honest. So A, describe it to a second grader, but also B, would this problem be solvable where there's a lot of startups working on sending olfactory messages, like sending smell cool. through text? Is that yeah. in that problem space? Slash what, what even is quantum computing? Yeah, I think I'm still trying to understand what quantum computing is. Because there's a lot of different pictures that you can look at it from. And for me, I think if I had to explain to a second grader, and maybe we can frame it as a second grader who's done a coding camp, where I would say that they are, if you understand computers as using zeros and ones, this is going to use a quantum mechanical property called superposition entanglement, where you are able to have everything between, in terms of probabilities, a zero and one. So you can get 0.5 of zero and one. So that means that it can be zero and one at the same time. And if you flip a coin, it's the same idea where when you're working with a quantum computer, it's always in that flipping state. And when you make a measurement, that's when you decide whether it's head or tails. And this is very different from a regular computer where you use zeros and ones that are very definite. These are probability distributions, and that allows you to do more calculations. Does that make sense? 
Incredible. I liked it. So where are we in the state of quantum computing as a research concept and application? Like, how would you run iMessage on a quantum computer? Oh, you're not, I don't think you'll ever run iMessage. And I guess getting back to your question about olfactory and maybe using organic chemistry in a computer in like your phone or something, I don't think that will be possible. I, what quantum computers are like, the best analogy would be like a laser. Like you don't cook a steak with a laser. You would probably use a laser to do very specific tasks like machining some metal and that quantum computers are. There's very specific tasks that a regular computer can't do. And that's where they'll be useful. I should have Googled something. I should have just talked with ChatGPT for like two minutes about this. And I would have will much... tell you everything that I know, honestly. I would I don't have know. much better questioning by now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, ChatGPT is insane. It's going to take over the world. So. Do you use it for work? I do. I use it. I use it a decent amount. Sometimes you just need like a starter to get yourself going. What do you use it for? I agree. I think for brainstorming is fantastic. Or I'm learning Portuguese right now because I'm flying to Sao Paulo on Thursday to work there for six months. Wow. And I'll make it talk back to me in both languages. The only downside is doesn't read it out loud like Google Translate. So that sucks. But yeah. it's just vocab recognition, which is nice. Yeah. Do you think that it's necessary to be fluent in a language anymore? I don't know about necessary, but I think for what I want, it is necessary. Like I want to be able to crack a joke at the bar in the next six months. So I think I need to know the language, but do we as collective human society need it? I think there's something scary about everyone converging to the same language at the same yeah. at one point, because there's certain phrases or ways of thinking that in your native language that's not English is processed differently than in English. And so what happens when you get rid of those other adjacent forms of thinking? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's very interesting, especially because there may be a lot of biases that are built into the data set that you're plugging into your translator as well. So that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, for sure. But I think all tools just need to be viewed as tools, really, at the end of the day. Like, it's not a holy grail. It's going to suck in some ways, for sure. Yeah, I've been thinking about that. And that's, you're also looking at a model that's been tuned for a very general case. It hasn't been tuned to be a lawyer, but it still does pass a bar exam. So it's it would be freaky to think about what it could do to just be tuned to do exactly the thing that it's bad at. You might be really good at it, too. I don't know. I agree. I agree. I think it's, yeah, for sure, any of these tools are going to have trade-offs. And I had another thought, but I forgot. I feel my memory is getting worse nowadays. Do you feel the, like, age in some sense? Or what is the... I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I'm just doing too much podcast recently as well. Yeah, that's awesome that you're doing all these podcasts. It's what got you to, I don't know, you're a very spontaneous person, which... <laughs> I guess, was this a spontaneity? I have a little bit more in my episode zero, but basically I got foot surgery a month ago, which was big L's in my life. And that was essentially my joyous channels is moving, exploring. And I was like, fuck, I literally just need to find something to get me through this time. And I'm like, oh, I have a lot of amazing friends in my life that it's awesome just catching up and calling, but I feel it'd be cool to share with the world and some of these conversations I found have 
like I always learn something new and friends are now texting each other and it's fun like playing friendship cupid in that way so I'm keeping it now as a fun passion project and hopefully it's not too painful for you guys too so <laughs> that's the no. thought I think this is really great and I listen to podcasts that work so it's really great I listen to Lex Friedman and physics podcasts so yeah how do you focus listening to podcasts and literally doing quantum computing i'm not really doing that much quantum computing i think when you work at a startup there's just a lot of tasks that need to be done that are just so tangential and our platform offers is <clears throat> at its core it's an augmented experience using jupiter lab for quantum computing so most of our work is not really always related to quantum computers but rather about how do we make the experience on the ID better because ultimately we're trying to sell the product and the ID itself is the most important thing and making that translatable across different industries is I think where we're trying to head to as well yeah word cool how do you think you're different than competitors and how has your team been has it changed over time yeah our Team has fortunately grown since, I don't know, last time we were together, it was last March. Perhaps. No, I have summer. no idea. It was the summer, because you were moving. I remember you are talking about it in your podcast. You love driving a U-Haul around. And that was in Chicago, and that was, I think, in the summer. So You're right. Then we were still three people, and we got a bunch of developers in India. And where we have gone is, I think we have now 10 people. And so I think it's heading in the right direction. And I think prior to myself and the CTO joining, there wasn't a lot of direction as to how to hire, but we now hire very effectively and there's not a lot of issues there. Yeah. Wait, super curious to learn more there. How do you suss out the people who match your company's values? What are the values? How does that play when it's remote team, especially cultural differences in India as well? I think that's a really great question about how to build a culture and how to build values. And I don't know if we've really built that much of a culture or a value. I don't know if we've spent enough time to do those things that are probably a lot more meaningful uh, where, for just the overall health of mental health of each of the employees as well as each of the people who interact with this company. And I think recently I've been thinking about how values can be obviously constantly changing, but also bounds as well. Like they restrict your idea about how to approach a problem to a set of like morals and you just don't know or value. Yeah. So I just think I'm still trying to figure out what exactly is the right approach in terms of thinking about two sets of values that are equally good at providing an, a lot of positive delta and considering their cons and then going forward with one of them. And yeah, so it's mm. Fascinating. I think delta will be a keyword in this podcast, but also- I could see that. I sent you a link to an episode from Lenny's podcast where- he interviews a bunch of people in the product world. It's the CEO of the browser company, which is, it's just literally trying to make a different Google Chrome or internet or Firefox. And I thought it was interesting as an inspiration, thinking about values in a company form. And he's just a fun guy to listen to. Who is this? Josh Miller or something. I'm realizing as I 
get out of school, sometimes it's fun to just like things that I honestly don't know that much about things, but I like them. And it's cool. It's a springboard. So it's Lenny's podcast, but this one talks specifically about values. Have you heard of the guy? Yes, I have heard of his company as well. And my friend's boyfriend was not the biggest fan of someone who is simply working on just a better UI UX for browsers. But I don't know, I think it's very important work, I'm sure. So I'll definitely listen. I'm super exciting stuff. Fair. Curious to get your take on what meaningful work is and then how that plays into your relationship with friends who maybe aren't doing some of those things. Yeah, it's hard. I think I was speaking with a friend as well about how some schools teach you different things and different sets of values. And she has been spending a lot of time in New York where she's met a few Yaleys as well as people from Harvard. And it's very interesting to see how Yale people are very social oriented and then Harvard people, according to her, in, strive in an environment where they're focused on being the best in an established case. So being like the president of the United States, instead of say creating your own nation and being like, I'm now the president. I think that's a very different approach of how you want to carve yourself a portion of this world. And I think just understanding the differences even there is interesting. But then for those who may not be that ambitious, that's also super important because I don't think ambition is always that great. And it's not always, it's not as enjoyable, I think, as just the little things in life where you get to enjoy that a lot more by going out and doing things that are fun. Fair. What are those small, little, enjoyable things for you nowadays when you don't have much time? I love my plushies, so I get to sleep in my plushies. That's really a wonderful experience for me. I think calling my parents is also something that's really comforting. And having spring come along is also a very nice feeling as well. Maybe that's why Chicago can be enticing. I'm not entirely sure about that, to be honest. But yeah, I think those are the small things. Or even just going to a grocery store and buying something that's a little more expensive than you really want is a nice feeling as well. Yeah, I hope you keep getting those moments. (laughs) So you mentioned parents briefly. How are they doing? How did it feel growing up in Troy? How often do you see your parents now? All things there. Yes. I think they're doing really great. I visited my mother for her birthday. My father did as a surprise and I missed my train <laughs> and then I took the bus. So I've been just missing a lot of planes and stuff or I've been, I don't know why I go to the wrong airport in New York. So there's just a lot of random things that I'm starting to forget as well. But getting there was really nice. I think just seeing My parents is nice. And I even texted Serena. My mother is going to be 50, I think, or she is 50. And it's so crazy. They're going to die soon. I'm not really ready for that at all. I want to spend a lot of time with them because I may have only all the duration that I have lived now 
plus maybe five or 10 years left. And that just, I can't fathom that. It's very sad. Yeah, those years are naturally less than the years we've already had, the time within those years. Yeah, that's just, my grandmother has Alzheimer's. I don't know how my mother will cope. Maybe she will have Alzheimer's and that kind of limits how you will see things. And yeah, and I think... Growing up in Troy, I always thought you and everybody was, I think I lived a little bit of a different experience, not that different, but there wasn't any Japanese speakers. So I just didn't have a lot of, I never hung out with friends after school, which was a interesting thing. I think a lot of people hung out with friends in the summer as well, but I was never in, I think up till sophomore year of high school, or at least I don't know, maybe like freshman year. I was just never in the States. So it was very interesting, (laughs) but they're very nice. My parents are very nice. They're not, yeah, they're not the smartest knives in the kitchen, but I think that's a very good thing. (laughs) Where? Yeah. Where do they live nowadays? They live in Troy. Everyone always asks where they live and they live in Troy. Yeah. But you took a flight to New York? My sister lives there. Uh, okay. Yes. Cool. Cool. Yeah, I also didn't do much hanging out after school, per se, because I feel we were all on a mission. I don't know what drove me to be doing these things all the time, but I loved it. I loved going to basketball practice, then practicing piano, then working at Orange League for no reason. I just, I oh. liked it, and it didn't involve people, but weekends were people heavy, summers, you're right hangouts, sleepovers, but maybe that was a clicky thing for us Taiwanese kids. Yeah, I didn't realize that, shame on me, but I didn't know that you guys are all Taiwanese as well. It's like you guys all knew each other and grew up and hung out with each other to some extent. Yeah, also to be fair, I guess it really was just Serena and me in that group. And then there's separate friends who you ended up meeting like Ting Ting, who we ended up school with, and Jessica and Kelly and Michelle and all them. But we definitely very intentionally merged like, all these groups. Yeah. But school-wise, like we weren't actually all Taiwanese. But you're right, it would be Chinese speakers, which maybe we weren't good about being inclusive. Oh, it's not that at all. I don't think, I didn't even register these things. Like I was so aloof and pretty stupid. But yeah, I did love school. I loved school. School was great. I still miss school. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Same with the tennis stuff. I think when you don't hang out outside of school becomes like your place to hang out. Do you get what I mean? Yeah, for sure. No, going to school was great in Troy, I thought. Also, another thing came to mind. A lot of us bonded in orchestra or band and we had these trips. Ah, you guys have nice trips. I was very jealous. You guys had sick trips. Yeah, I could have played. Because your sister was in them, right? So you saw her go on these things? I think so. She went to New York as well as texas yeah san antonio and disney that's crazy and tennessee randomly but yeah (laughs) have you visited troy i'm literally i'm here right now yeah larry have you visited troy high oh troy high go back and say hi or not really but i have gotten brunch with valentino a couple times no way awesome yeah i just saw her this past summer too i came back from africa and brought her chocolate and she really liked it oh sure. and that coffee. Is so cool. but she is popping out the kids man i actually want to put her on this podcast i think would be 
amazing. How many kids does she have? Three, I want to say. Wow. Yeah, that's very impressive. Yeah, I, I read some Maggie Nelson, and I think I've told Michelle as well. And I read The Argonauts, and it's very, very graphic as to what the pregnancy experience is. I don't mm. know. It's just so graphic. It's so crazy how people endure it. Yeah. How far in the future do you like pondering about? So speaking of kids, are you like, oh, I wonder if I want to have kids one day, or is that not fun to think about? I think I'm a little too career-oriented to think about those things. In the context of children, there's maybe an ability I feel when I think about children. Like I'm probably going to have some. I don't know how many, but there's definitely less than five. Like Maybe most likely less than three, but yeah, I don't know. Fair. Do you, do you think about these things? Yeah, I like theoreticals sometimes, but... <laughs> I, theoreticals <laughs> yeah I am very not in the mindset to ever give birth I think I want to adopt I'm still on my motto of adopting like 10 kids at once post career when I'm like 45 maybe I'm post career by then who the fuck knows 45 mm -hmm. stable emotionally physically financially and I can just have a flock of kids with partners maybe I don't know Nice. And it just be raising a village. And I think that would be fantastically fun. But no, not in the next five years, 10 years. Nah. <laughs> that sounds really amazing. I've never really thought of actually, this could also be a global thing. With how much you travel, you could actually have many children all across the world. Yeah, in a non-weird colonial way. But yeah. That is true. That is very interesting do you want it for a million dollars you can yeah i'd be down I today think, yeah i don't think oh i have to pay you <laughs> no, you have to pay it into the pool for the kids oh yeah i guess so do they have your genes i'm literally making it up right now they come as they come okay but i would be invested in your genes i think they're very good genes <laughs> they are smart athletic very good genes this Adventure. online flattery is too much for my sweatpants <laughs> it's very nice so what about you do you think about your 10 years what is like the I think I am the mm -hmm. only priority I have right now is exploring and being honest with what I like and don't and that's in all parts of my life I feel I think everything is up for grabs right now and sometimes it's exhausting and confusing because I'm questioning like everything but I'm also not just questioning I feel like I'm very intentionally experienced and for me I learn by experiencing and so I am just on this quest to put my body and mind through freaking anything I'm literally flying to Sao Paulo on Thursday can barely walk don't know the language starting work I'm just lost and I think that's exactly what I want right now do you like plan your trip to Sao Paulo beforehand and then just you had surgery? Yeah, so it's my work rotation. It helps that I intentionally pick this work rotation that I'm moving every six months for my job. And then surgery, it was time to do it. I've been waiting a year. I probably should have just done it right. way before. I thought I could avoid it. I really can't. So that's been an L, but overcoming it means I feel the only thing I need in a new country is my two feet. <laughs> and I don't think I would have that perspective unless I went through this, which... I don't believe in the you need to absolutely suffer to be grateful for things in life. I don't think I believe in that. However, 
it's made me more confident in myself to overcome hurdles. And it's, I don't know, it's been the suckiest month of my life. And I found this amazing podcast production and I'm talking to you and I'm like, that's beautiful. What do you believe in? I, I think that's a really good question. It takes me a lot to believe in something so narrowly. Like I was thinking, what sentence could I just agree with? I really, it's so hard for me, like any life models, any advice, et cetera. There's always an exception to the rule. So I think I believe that everyone has something amazing to say and something amazing for me to learn from and connect with. I think that's it. Something about just people. But I don't know about anything else. I'm not convinced. How did you settle on 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 this idea of wanting to figure out what you like and what you don't like for now? Yeah, because I think I have the immense privilege of being able to ask these questions. And I feel of what I studied in school gives me the opportunity to actually explore it safely and reasonably. And if I don't do it now, I feel I will always kind of wonder. And it's the lowest opportunity cost of time to do it. Like, even if I fuck up everything and I become 30 and I've learned nothing and I have no money to my name, like, I still have this home in Troy to fall back on. And so it's the privilege of like, what is it that I care about? And I think having something that I really care about and putting the work in is important to me. I don't really know what that thing is yet necessarily, but I think the quest of finding it is something that I've really internalized. What's your take? I can agree about the men's privilege a lot. I can really empathize with that of having taking advantage of your youth and doing something that would be considerably riskier when you're older. So we're on the same boat there. I think it's just very interesting how I am perhaps a lot more narrow-minded here by just doing one thing, which is a company where you're traveling, you're meeting things, you're really doing a breath-first search over a death-first search, which I think is really valuable, especially this world is changing so fast. I honestly don't know what's going on. And I think the Vlogbrothers did this like 47 second video of like how this world's going to be really fast. And I don't know. It's a little scary. I also recently watched Last of Us and I'm not convinced an apocalypse or whatever is going to happen, but probably like another pandemic that's going to be worse than COVID's going to happen. And so I think that part makes me a bit I'm just going to explore and meet people. And that's going to be really key to future survival. Not that I'm using these as stepping stones. I I would be doing this regardless. However, I'm like, there is value in just seeing the world, meeting people. But there's also value in going in so deep, as you said. I just haven't found that thing yet. And I think it will be really fulfilling when I do. Because I have tried all these things and then I'll be convinced this is the thing I want to do and be able to pour everything in it, I think is would be a dream in a way. But I think this also feels like I'm living the dream. Yeah. Do you ever think of it in terms of the secretary problem? Tell me more. I'm not very good at explaining it. But if you have n number of the population that you're trying to sample from, or say you're trying to find the best secretary or find the best interview candidate or your life partner, for example, then you have to decide uh, out of n number of people how many of them you should interview and then who should you accept. 
And so the choice starts with you have to reject, say, seven people. And then the next person who's the best person after those seven people, you should, and who is like better in all aspects, then the seven, all seven individuals should be your partner. So in this case, it would be your life's work would be that. But do you ever think about it in that sense? Yes. Okay. We actually did this in class one time. We called it the marriage problem, which you mentioned. And yeah. I think it was. 27 or 37, it was really high, which we can just check with ChatGPT right now, but really high number. And I think part of it is that the assumption here that doesn't work for me is that I can't unequivocally yes or no, this is better. I feel like I don't even know the values and the assumptions that I'm working off of to consistently make that decision. Yes, this next thing is better than my current thing. So maybe, and I don't know. Like it's also been a long time since I've thought about the problem, but I feel it just feels strange. Like mathematically, I'm sure it works out to that number that makes sense, but I feel I'm not really trying to target necessarily that number. But you're right. Maybe I am just unconsciously. I find it interesting how you categorize things in a binary where you for the problem it is right. Like you're saying better true. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. I can't make that decision now. I feel I don't know if something is better or worse. So I wouldn't be operating under the same assumptions. I see. What do you think? Because I feel from the outside, you are very convinced and fulfilled in this deep dive. Yeah, I think so. I think I'm not, I think what's interesting is I don't really care what I, let me, I care about what I do, but I do not care what, context I do it in as long as I put my all into it. So it could be anything from working in a kitchen to working in a startup. Maybe I'm more of a, you can learn to love something rather than you have to fall in love and start something that you love. So I have just been working at it and you learn to like the idiosyncrasies and the faults in, in, in our pursuits. I really respect that. I find myself because I'm time boxing in these six months, when month four and a half, five months starts happening, I get really antsy and impatient. And I feel, yeah, the whole saying patience is a virtue. I don't know if it's because of the time box that makes me that way, or if that's just naturally my way, regardless if it was going to be a six month kind of location thing. But how do you maintain that patience and time with one thing yeah I think you make an interesting point I've been questioning this I guess endurance and perseverance and patience as well you form your values as you walk yourself through a problem and how you solve a problem and just like how you are wondering if your habits are dictated by your six-month timeline, your six-month timeline inherently fixes your habits as well and builds the habits you'll work off of in the future. So I'm not sure. I think this is what I think is correct for now. I could be very wrong and that's okay. I just hope that I can not be hard in my heart and in my mind and I'm willing to be flexible with my own set of ideas about how to approach life but who knows i think that's huge as long as you feel you're in a good spot now then there's only so much to question right yeah and i guess 
some of the things that I feel I get impatient or antsy are things that I've seen at the beginning that just don't bother me as much because it hasn't boiled over. And then maybe four and a half, five month hit. And I'm like, it's not worth bringing up or changing, especially if involves someone else. So I'm just going to ride it out. Whereas if it was a longer thing, you would probably take action to change some of the things that you could to make it better for you. Yeah, I don't. I think I need to get better at that. I should be a lot more proactive, but that's also hard to judge. So, yeah, I get that. I get that a lot. So do you get to get away with a lot of things because it's only six months if you don't like it? Like, what is the... To be honest, I don't think corporate world is... Corporate world is fucking chill. If if I meet my expectations, other people's are met as well, which is a very egotistical thing to say. However, I've found that to be true in my six months and maybe it will be different in the next six months but generally people are like you're doing too much already or whatever and I feel like I'm posting and I'm not in this for work really I'm learning what it means to whatever being this corporate thing and I think we are doing good things for the world generally it's very b2b operations so sometimes it's hard for me to piece it together but I think it has strong value to humans However, I am not drinking the Kool-Aid that I'm changing the world. I think if I didn't do anything in these two years, nobody would really care. Like, I'm sure I could still find a full permanent job. And that mentality, I have never fucked with. I think it's more just for my own personal work learning or life learning. Really selfish and privileged to be able to make money doing that. But I, they feel like I'm adding value so I don't know. I am sometimes I have qualms about it. Can I really look at myself in the mirror at the end of the day and be like, I did something good for others? Meh. I probably did something good for my team and they think that they're doing good for others. But am I really changing someone's life positively in the same way that maybe I think some of my other passions are? Like this past month's experience of being a cripple in the world. Like I would be passionate about working for health city department design or accessibility things like that to me is easy to point to but I don't think that I'm what that's what I'm really prioritizing right now however I do want to eventually so I guess that dissonance sometimes is tough but you just gotta you just can't kid yourself like I'm not gonna trick myself <laughs> but I think a lot of people do <laughs> what's your take yeah, I'm totally drinking the Kool-Aid in that sense. <laughs> I don't think I could go in every day and want to work without thinking that this might be useful for others. No, and... I think it could be useful, but is this the biggest delta, as you would say? Oh, I see. Yeah, that's where I think what's really interesting is that companies don't need people to do the biggest delta, which is annoying from my perspective. I want people, at least for me, I really want to have a really fulfilling experience. And that takes in a lot of work. And you need to make it your craft and your own art or science or formula. And yet, if this is something where it's very hard to ensure that this person is going to do a great job because it is a difficult task and it is very fulfilling, the company's like, has to minimize that into tasks that are easy enough that they can have enough people that will guarantee it to get done and in that sense i think i am very happy with telling myself that i'm just going to put everything on the table and maybe something will come out of it and maybe it'll be helpful for others i don't know but i think 
I can drink that Kool-Aid of just like, if I put all in my all, maybe there would be something out of it or some kind of like Delta. And that's a tasty Kool-Aid to drink. But just like how you're, I don't know if you're like your employer or your colleagues, you don't even have to do that much. It's like, why do you spend 18 to 22 years of your life work studying to get a job and then be told just don't do anything? I don't know. Yeah, I don't find that satisfying either. This isn't work-wise, fulfilling-wise. This isn't where I want to be, I think, mentality-wise. But I think it's all right to experience it right now, to know and know that I am prioritizing other things. But I also very much don't understand just going through the motions of life just to go through it. Like, really, in the end, what the fuck matters? I'm not even sure. So why are we all playing until the end what there's no end there's no point you just but some people don't operate in that lens and i am okay with hearing that yeah but i think people so here's my thing you were asking a question what do i believe in i think there is something that gets everyone going that they're actually just care about or they just really like for no other reason and what is that thing in people that's I think fascinating for us to explore throughout our 20s and then also trying to understand in people older than us. Like maybe it's not work and maybe the directors are kidding themselves and they have to be okay with showing up to work and going through the motions, but maybe they really care about their partner. Maybe they really care about their cup of coffee in the morning. What is that thing? Feel It has to be there for everything, for everyone. Otherwise, how is everyone just going through every day without it? Yeah, I guess it goes back to what is your convictions and what is your values? I don't know. Maybe some people just don't have those. Some people must just be going through just life. Just no, I've never thought about that. But it is an important way of understanding others and trying to empathize. I also am on the belief, I guess now you've teased out a lot. So maybe I am more strongly opinionated than I thought. But I think everyone is either going through something really difficult or they have in the past. And that's a shared experience that I feel isn't really openly talked about or just recognized. Especially I feel with some of my older coworkers, it's so not connecting in that way and you talk about values at work why isn't the first week at work just one's soapbox of this is who I am this is why I care about let's all be in this together I think there's a lot of assumptions of what people care about when you walk into a space but probably that group of people has have never talked about it and there is something I feel that is shared that could just be experience but also you could say why are we all talking about our struggles okay fair (laughs) Yeah. Do you operate better in, I guess this is, if you had to tie some more tangential things into this idea, it's about being friends and family as an organization or as a group of people and how you understand one another rather than colleagues. Like you're saying how this differs in my non-work relationships? Yeah, like at work, you may not know those intricacies of why people are motivated or what makes them happy in life and unless you go out to happy hour and even then you talk about work or something so it's not really you get to know them very intimately 
with your friends and with your family, it's a very different dynamic. And I wonder, maybe some people call it professionalism. If it's better, maybe better is not even the right word here because that binarizes the question. But how do these two models operate and what is most effective in just what makes them so effective in their respective settings? Yeah, I think that's a hugely awesome question. I read it as it's easier to not get into those territories, but it's also not as fulfilling. And sometimes it is easier to just compartmentalize, be like, all we need to do is get this task done. And it's more effective in the sense that it's quicker and you're getting that goal done. However, why are we doing that goal? Why are we doing this together? Those are, I feel, some of the interesting questions that fulfilling interactions come from. And because I am not yet convinced in the end goal, I want to explore all these other things. However, I am convinced that X is what we need to do to save the world. And all these tasks leading up to it are just boom, effective, get it done because I believe so hard in that goal. I'm fine. But I think it's because I don't believe in that, that the journey of it, I want more out of it. I what see. do you think? Yeah, I guess it goes. So uh, if you had a set of goals that would get you to save the world, would you take those steps? Would you do those? I think that's a really good question. It depends what it requires and who it's with. I also, now that I backtrack what I said, I think to be effective and working together and being in a group, it's helpful and fulfilling to know these things about people. So I feel it's part of the step. Yeah. I do find that being more vulnerable with each other and then understanding weaknesses and being frank about our shortcomings is really where you find strength in a group of people. And I guess to answer my own question, I would probably, if someone told me that these were the steps to do X and if X is something that I want for this world, I would probably do it. Even if it's not something that I love, or even if I had to do it with people that I don't really like, I think ultimately I would still do it. Wait, that's super interesting. Wrapping back to ChatGPT, AI, everything, because that's how machine learning is optimizing for a certain function like that at the cost of everything wow. else. And so are we basically optimizing that same model? And then people have a problem with that when it's AI, but they don't have a problem when it's a person. I don't know. I think humans are not also optimized to do exactly one task. So there's many tasks involved in a human's life. So maybe people can just let go of it easier, but maybe there's also animosity to having a computer do things. Theoreticals are fun, right? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. then sometimes it's too much. And then I'm like, what does this change in my life? And then I'm frustrated because I'm action experience driven. You could definitely do something with ChatGPT, right? It's doing it. If you're going to Brazil, there's a lot of opportunities there because they're not that much of a strong tech scene as is the U.S. For are sure. Going to, are you going to the Pantanal? What is that? I think it's the north or southern Amazon, the Pantanal. So oh. you go to Jaguars, yeah. Interesting. No, see, I know nothing.
<laughs> and everyone has something that I can learn from. I really want to go to Brazil. I think it's really cool. Wait, Tom, I'll send you a link to my place. Oh, thanks to the real, like inflation for the real, just like going crazy against the dollar. Or... It's well, like divided by five, but yeah. this place is only a couple blocks from the office. It's right there in the freaking part of Sao Paulo. Wow, that's so nice. So roll through. Yeah, I would. My best friend from Stanford is also uh, from Brazil. Oh, snap. Where in Brazil? Sao Paulo. Are they there right now? You guys are genius. What? Oh, he's working on some startup. I don't know. He's still figuring out the details to it. Yeah. Amazing. That'd be amazing. He knows some really cool things because he was, he grew up there. So yeah, I would want to go. Yeah, word. Come with him. Wait, you're going to be there for six months, right? Yeah, until September 28th is my flight, I want to say. Okay, yeah, that's more than enough time, I feel, that I can definitely... And it'll be the winter, right? Yeah, but winter is, like, going to be 60. Okay. So it's either colder and dry or hot and moist, so it's better now, is my pitch. (laughs) Oh, I'm so hype. Yeah, come I think June tickets were looking pretty cheap, according to people. Ingrid and Drew also want to come. Ingrid has a boyfriend now. Isn't that crazy? But she's had this guy. <laughs> oh, really? I had no idea. Yeah. It's been, I don't even know, maybe a year to two. Wow. Good for her. Wait, speaking of which, tell me about your dating life and share with the podcast. Yeah, I have been seeing someone <laughs> and I think it's really nice. I'm actually at her place right now. Amazing. Uh, yeah, it's nice. I don't know how to navigate myself through it, to be honest, because, again, I think this is where values can be a little dangerous because I have values that are rooted in doing startups and building company. And those don't really correlate with having a pleasant lifestyle for others to mingle with. I, yeah, like I think Serena and Allison have been really helpful with just me being in Chicago. But I always feel I could do a lot more and be like hospitable, but I'm just simply not right now. So it's going to take me a couple of years. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry. I don't have to apologize for that, but okay. Tell me more about you two. What is important to you? How do you feel she plays into your values or just everyday joys? Yeah, I don't know if this should be on the podcast or not, but I'm so useless in the sense that if I'm working, I will forget to eat or do things and she will remind me to do those things. So it's very nice. There's things like I just got a haircut yesterday and I didn't get my haircut and she made sure I got a haircut. I don't know. These are the useless, how useless I am. Just that, It sounds yeah. like married life. It is. I'm not going to lie. How long has it been? It's been since December, so five months. How do you meet? On Hinge. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that category does not change for me, at least. What category? Meeting people on Hinge? Yeah, I don't know. It's, I'm such a catfish at this point. It's, I don't even believe that I represent anything that I see on that, but it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> what inspired you to go on Hinge in the first place and 
Have you met other people on there that you've connected with? Yeah, I don't know. I think I think I connect. I don't know. What does it mean to connect? Yes, I can connect and bounce off a great conversation, but it getting to know someone takes a lot of time. So I'm not quite sure, but like I, everyone's really wonderful. People are really doing their thing and it's pretty impressive. I haven't met anyone that I was like scared <laughs> to hang out with. I don't know. <laughs> like people have really interesting stories that I am really appreciate to hear. So yeah. Wow. Maybe is that too political of an answer? I don't know. I just happen to have that many of a, a bad dates. No, that's your experience. That's wonderful to hear. I think there's stigma with dating apps. So I don't like that. But yeah. I also haven't heard such a sunshine version of it. So that's cool. Yeah. I'd like to be friends with everyone that I match with, but mm. and that's okay. What's your take on first impressions? Nothing like my first impression. If you're actually getting it off of Hinge, I'm such, I'm like Photoshop. I'm like, yeah, it's not good. I don't know. First impressions can be very deceiving. Yeah. I think even in physics too, or even when you look at coding problems, it seems hard, but then you realize it's not hard. Like Kubernetes, I think cloud development is not hard to code. There's only two or three lines you need to change, but it's, like the amount of that you have to code and the amount you have to actually figure out is just so vastly different. But then yeah. like success is like really hard and it's just getting something to look circular and then adding a gloss to it is so hard. You never thought this would be hard. And then you have to tell someone that it has to look like this and they'll get it wrong like five times. So you actually need to go use Figma or something. I think everything is hard. Like you just need to, if you want to do something really well, it's not easy. So, yeah, and yeah. there's definitely the communication aspect there as well. But yeah. that, I don't know, that reminds me of like business school. It's like common sense things with a bunch of technical words. And it seems hard, but it, like it's just fundamental concept. Yeah. Then hard things, you just work through one by one. Yeah. I feel like graduated from uni. That's the graduated oh. mindset. Yeah. You want to do a quick lightning round? Yeah, sure. Let's do it. Bet. What is one thing you wish everyone knew? About like myself or about the world or like what? You do one of each. This is not a lightning wrong. I don't know. What's really cool is sea breams. Actually, if you grow them in a farm, they only have two noses, but in the wild, they have four noses. So that's really cool. And then about me, I'm debating on whether I want to get my hair permed or not. And I'd like some advice. It's unfortunately audio only, but maybe instead of the jank picture I have of us, I'll put a picture of you and we can have the audience vote. Okay, sounds good. What are three things you can't live without besides the necessities? My friends, my laptop, my plushies, my family. Nice. You can replace family. laptop with family because laptop I view as necessity. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> friends and family, friends and family. Who? And plushies. Yeah. Uh, any content recommendations? Like in general or? Yeah, of whatever form. I am beginning to read about like the linguistics behind food by Dan Yurafsky with Serena. And it is so far really cool. Did you know that ketchup is technically from China? No way. Yeah. With and tomatoes? It used to be a fish sauce. And this is the first page. So like, I'm just telling you the first page, there's no spoilers. So it's literally it used to be a fish sauce where I think cat meant fish and chup is sauce. It got imported into the West 
And then they took that and then there are very different variations of it where the one that stuck around in Europe was the one with tomatoes. And then they added some sugar to it and they got ketchup. And then Americans added more sugar to it. And then it came back to the East and they were like, what is this? Apparently that's something people in Hong Kong say that there is something, a dish called ketchup. So I don't know, but yeah, pretty cool. Wow. Yeah. I have a close work friend who's from Hong Kong, so he'll listen and let us know. Yes. Okay, um, so we actually have really terrible pictures together, but should we take a Zoom? Yeah. I'm so anti that, but I guess just to get your perm info, we should. Yes. Okay, ready? Okay. <laughs> we look like babies. Okay, thank you for spending so much time with me today, Ricky. This was a Whoa. lot of fun. Come to Chicago. Oh, another news is I tested fucking COVID positive on Friday. I'll see you in Brazil then. But I can actually start planning that. So I'll probably, in Brazil. I actually got invited by another girl in October to go to Brazil. Oh, wait, combine. Uh, yeah, combine. That would be nice. But when, when in October? What's up? When in October? Like last October. Oh. Yeah. Oh, this girl. No, different girl. Oh, okay. Okay, but that's different. She wasn't like living, working there. She wanted to go on a trip with you. Yeah, but I didn't go. Wow. Yeah. So basically you're telling me to feel honored to have you, which I already am. Oh, that's not what I mean. <laughs> okay. I really want to go. That's what I mean. <laughs> a lot of feelings in Brazil. <laughs> yeah. It All sounds right. like you, it sounds like you have more than I do. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I do. I, <laughs> I'm I just really going. Want to I want to eat like feijoada, ponte queijo, and like all these things. Like, yeah, I literally like... have no idea what he's. It's still a potato portuguese, para seis meses, mais você no entender something. Basically, saying I've been trying to learn Portuguese, but you can't tell that I have been. Let's sick. <laughs> oh, maybe I'll open Duolingo again. Okay. Yeah. If you want to get on the Portuguese game, I am down to hop in as well. Oh, actually, I would be down. Do you want to actually do that? Like, yeah, but I mean, that's going to be like dumb and dumber, but no, it's fine. It's fine. We'll figure it out. Okay. (laughs) Cool, Ricky. You're the best. Keep cracking on and saving the world. You too. Bye. And that's a wrap. Ricky Young for now, everyone. See you on the next episode of Who Let the Dogs Out, where I chat life with cool people doing awesome things. Cheers.